Um, good morning, everyone, and happy Monday morning. Uh, today we are looking at 1 John chapter 3. Welcome to the Daily Bible Reading Show. We are looking at 1 John chapter 3. Let me pray and see what this passage has to say to us today. Heavenly Father, thank you for a new day, a new week, and we commit this time to you. Please um, use it for your glory, and please speak to us through our passage today. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. This is 1 John and chapter 3. See what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called children of God, and so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know Him. Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when He appears, we shall be like Him, because we shall see Him as He is. And everyone who thus hopes in Him purifies himself as He is pure. Um, just pausing there. Uh, well, I mean, John reminding us that we are children of God and saying, you really are, you really are. No, it's amazing. He says how kind God's love is that he's given to us that we should be called children of God. And he says, that's who you are. That's who you are. Which means it's a reminder of something that we might not realize. Uh, we might not realize as Christians, you're God's children. You might not realize that as Christians, God has given you his amazing kind love and it's just worth reminding i think first thing in the morning first thing in this week says that's who we are and the reason why we don't see this is because the world does not see this it says there the reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him did not know god and then he reminds us again verse two we are god's children now beloved and what we will be has not yet appeared but when he appears, we shall be like him. And so, you know, we're looking forward to Jesus' return because when we see him, we will be seen for who we really are. Yeah, verse four, everyone who makes a practice of sinning also practices lawlessness. Sin is lawlessness. Okay, all right. So... I guess that's different from sin is law breaking. You know, you have rules and you break the rules, say no chewing gum and you chew gum or I you know what other, um, say you need to recycle and you don't recycle and you're breaking that rule. But lawlessness means there are no rules. Well, lawlessness means I make up my own rules and living as if um, maybe even God's rules, God's word does not exist in our lives. Verse 5, you know that he appeared in order to take away sins, and in him there is no sin. No one who abides in him keeps on sinning. No one who keeps on sinning has either seen him or known him. So it's talking about this keep on, keep on. You know, if you keep on sinning, you keep on this practice down this path, then you're not abiding, you're not living, you're not walking in Jesus. Little children. Interesting. Uh, imagine your uncle calling you little children, a boy, a girl, that kind of thing. Very affectionate. 
um, and also you ought to hear a very wise, very um, mature uncle you know, speaking to you when he says this. He says, little children, let no one deceive you. Whoever practices righteous is righteous he, as he is righteous. Whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil. For the devil has been sinning from the beginning the reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. No one born of God makes a practice of sinning. There's that word again, practice. There's this active um, action that is born out of this active disobedience, this active sinning. He says, for God's seed abides in him and he cannot keep on sinning because he has been born of God. Hmm. It, there is something meant to be, something that's meant to be reassuring about this. And I guess if you imagine speaking to someone who's wondering, am I really a Christian? You know, how would you go about reassuring that person? And I think there are two ways that John has done this reassurance for this question for us in this passage, number one, he says, you really are God's children. <laughs> even though the world does not see it, even though you do not know that, you know, you really are God's children. And there's a sense in which that will be revealed only in the end. When Jesus returns, when we see him as he is, we will be seen for who we are. And so there's a kind of a notional kind of a knowledge, head level knowledge of who we really are. You really are Christians. And so you can tell them at that level. But then there's the evidence. There's the heart level. There's the application level. And he talks about sin as something that is continuous, that shows that can't be hidden. And he says, in the opposite way, if you keep on sinning, making it a practice, making it habitual, then yes, there's something to be worried about. But he says, if you have God's seed in you, you won't be doing that. And I find it very, very helpful because sometimes, you know, when you're speaking to someone who is a Christian and doesn't realize that, that they are, that, that does happen to the most genuine of Christians and sometimes young Christians as well. And they wonder, am I really a Christian? Has Jesus really died for me? And you say, yeah, I do. And what this is saying is maybe you can see this better than your friend. And this is one of the reasons why it's really, really helpful to have other Christian friends around you because they might be able to see things about your life, about your actions, your behavior, your character that might not even be evident to you. You know, you, you can't see it, but you almost need someone else to see something that you can't see if that makes sense because it's ex is external and it's a fruit and therefore it's just so encouraging it's so useful it's so helpful to have other christian brothers and sisters around you yeah okay verse 10 by this it is evident is obvious who are the children of god and who are the children of the devil whoever does not practice there's that word again that practice that living out practice righteousness is not of God, nor is the one who does not love his brother. Verse 11, for this is the message that you've heard from the beginning that we should, we should love one another. We should not be like Cain, 
who was of the evil one and murder his brother. Why did he murder him? Because his own deeds were evil and his brothers righteous. Okay, all right, that's not what I expected. You know, Cain and Abel, two brothers, and unfortunately, you know, brothers, they fight, that's understandable, but <laughs> this brother killed his brother. And you ask, why did he kill his brother? And you might think of answers like he hated him or he envied, envied him. But he's saying that these were two different brothers. One is righteous and one's deeds was evil. And it's talking, therefore, of two brothers that seem related but actually have no connection with one another. It's talking about someone, two people who might have even the same parentage, same lineage, but because of their actions, it shows that actually they belong to two different sides of the coin. And to reaffirm this verse 13 says, do not be surprised that the world hates you. So it's kind of contrasting Christians and the world. It's contrasting Abel and Cain. And therefore it's saying that even someone who might be close to you in proximity, someone who looks like you, talks like you, but does not have this trust in Christ, this love of Christ, and therefore this life lived up for Christ, might end up being not your brother, might end up hating you, might actually want, you know, ill for you, you know, can't stand you like Cain couldn't stand Abel and killed him. That's strange. I, I know, I know that that's kind of weird to think of that because, you know, brothers, again, they're meant to be loving one another, but they're so different. Um, and, and not just their mannerism, but just in which the way in which they worship God and the way in which they react towards God and their worship. Verse 14, we know that we've passed out of death into life because we love the brothers. Whoever does not love abides in death. Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. Hmm. It's kind of extreme. It's almost like you go to church and you ask, have you murdered anyone today? And hopefully, you know, the answer is no. Or hopefully everyone goes, go, ha, 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 they laugh it off. But then you can't help but remember how Jesus says, if you hate your brother, you've effectively murdered your brother. And so there is this blurred line between killing someone and actually even hating them in your heart. And so the antidote to that is actually loving someone and actually having them in your heart. And I think that's the mark of someone whose life has been transformed and changed from the inside out. But again, it's, it's challenging. I'm hoping I don't wake my neighbors. It's still kind of early. Um, yeah, okay, I'm, I'm just going to finish off verse 16. By this we know, love, that he laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. And here's that encouragement. You know, if you love your brothers, love them. Not just in word, but in 
deed and truth, not just word and talk. You can say you love someone, but there is that practical aspect of actually showing that love. You know, love is often um, not just what you feel, but love here is a verb. Love here is an action. And it's very different from the Hollywood movies whereby love is a noun, you know, love is something that you have, something that you experience. But love here, according to John, at least, is love is a verb. Love is something that you do. Love is something that is felt, yes, but by the person whom you love. You lay down your life for your brothers as Jesus laid down his life for us. There's an active sacrifice. But also there is that need that is filled. Verse 17, you know, you see your brothers in, brother in need and then you close your heart against them because you don't want to reach out. You don't want to offer something that will cost you your money, your time, you know, just, just something of yourself. And he says, you know, love is a verb. It's something that will cause you to have to do something, react, and maybe even cost you something. Verse 19, by this we shall know that we are, the, we are of the truth and reassure our heart before him. For whoever, whenever our hearts, heart condemns us, God is greater than our hearts and he knows everything. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God and whatever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandments and do what pleases him. Hmm. I find it challenging, you know, at the end of the day, wanting to please God. You know, it's one thing wanting to do the right thing and wanting not to mess up today, you know. Um, and I don't know whether you're already thinking about work or you're already stressed out about what you have to do. I, I am, you know, uh, I'll be honest, you know, I, I already have like this list I have to work out. And up until this moment, I'll be, I'll be honest. I mean, thinking of what it means to please God today, it, it did not even come to mind. And therefore it's, it's challenging. I don't know whether, whether it is for you that, you know, re being reminded to do the right thing and not the wrong thing. That's one thing. Being reminded to love your brothers, but pleasing God, reminded that God is the one for whom, you know, that's, that, that's all that matters. It's just that he loves us and we please him. And it's, you know, honestly, to my shame, didn't even occur to me today. Um, and there is, he talks about our hearts condemning us, our hearts condemning us. And he says, you know, maybe that's why there is that, maybe that stress, that guilt, and it's because we've kind of like left God out of the equation. Maybe, yeah, at least, at least it is for me, honestly. Verse 23, and this is his commandment that we believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another as he has commanded us. Whoever keeps his commandments abides in God and God in him. And by this, we know that he abides in us by the spirit whom he has given us. Uh, Lord, um, how awesome is it to know that you abide in us even right now, your spirit, your word. And that's meant to change me. It's meant to you know, change the way I'm going to live even today, not for myself, but in everything I do, I'm going to have breakfast. You know, How can I do that in a way that pleases you? In the way that I speak to people today, even on Zoom, 
you know, even online, you know, how can it be in such a way that it maybe even costs me something? And Lord, um, help me not to forget that, you know, you are real, you're my father, I'm your child, and pleasing you. Help me to live today such in a way that I please you and live it for you and you alone. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, okay. All right. Uh, thanks for joining me. Um, hey, hi, hello. <laughs> um, and uh, this has been the Daily Bible Reading Show, um, looking at 1 John chapter 3. I have no idea whether this audio thing works. Um, that's why I'm kind of like almost whispering. I hope it's audible, but yeah. Okay. For what it's worth, this has been the Daily Bible Reading Show. We've just looked at 1 John chapter 3. Um, take care. Have a good day. God bless. Bye-bye.